Good afternoon, Sticky Learning Lunches. Just making sure we've got a screen share on there. Welcome to today's session. Yes, I'm not wearing a white shirt. It's Thursday. Just going to give it a few seconds while we wait for the last people to arrive in the room. If anyone's got any opinions about the shirt today, I'm more than happy to hear them. What do you think? On a scale of one to 10, one terrible, 10 phenomenal. Happy, let's go with the ratings on that just while we're waiting for everyone else to turn up. I say that. It's certainly better than the salon I'm uh, supporting today. <laughs> 8.5. Thank you, Colin. I'll, I'll take that and run with it. Nine for me. Thanks, Colin. If only. <laughs> so let's make sure we're setting everyone up for success. First things first, as always, let's get the mobile phones up. Let's get the little aeroplane lit. Zero out the distraction, 100% attention. Also making sure we've got a drink. Let's make sure we're staying hydrated. We're in the 30s here in the South. It's getting warm. Let's make sure we're looking after ourselves. Keep ourselves, keep ourselves hydrated and keep the brain lubricated. Also, fresh sheets, fresh thinking. Get yourself a blank page. Make sure at the top of that you've written keepers. And these are the things you want to remember and remind yourself about when you reread them so you can reignite that thinking and really make this learning stick. It's the end of the week for us and the sticky learning. Before we go any further, before we go into the introductions and get the session rolling as well, if you have not signed up for Monday's session, which is the last one of the 73% funnel, now is the time to do that. We'll get a link into the chat box so you can click through there and sign up for Monday's session. We've also got Tuesday's session. We're going to move into the leadership coaching model EVOC, which I've designed. It's all going to be about self-evaluation and getting really deep on who you are, what you bring, and how you develop yourself as a leader as we move through the course of next week as well. So if you haven't already signed up, now is the time to do that. We are on. Let's do this. Welcome to today's Sticky Learning Lunch with me, Nathan Simmons, Senior Leadership Coach and Trainer for MBM, Making Business Matter, home of Sticky Learning. And we are the leadership development and soft skills provider to the grocery and manufacturing industry. The idea of these sessions is to give you a 20 minute, 20 to 30 minute micro learning. It's going to help you be the best version of you in what you do right now and also preparing you to go back to the brave new world, whatever that might be, as we move into the future. What are we covering today, Andy? Nathan. Today we are covering landing those opportunities in store. So it builds, as this funnel continually does, our targets, shoppers, our stores, our insights and recommendations, selling it through to landing it. So today's about landing it. It's about that uh, last hundred yards and ensuring that all that time and effort and analysis we put in actually hits the shelves and hits the shelves right. Um, so for me, landing opportunities in store, why the funnel flows is largely about preparation. Um, what we're trying to ensure happens is that the recommendations that you make to the buyers, that you've sold to the buyers, don't just look good on paper, but they actually can work in store and then giving them uh, sustainability for the future. So getting into this then. Um, there are broadly two groups of people that work for supermarkets. Those that work in the offices and those that work in stores. Yes, of course, there's some other areas, but broadly speaking, those two groups of people. This is really about bridging that gap between those particular areas. Um, talked about it as the last 100 yards. Um, it's the difference between ideas generated and where they are implemented. So uh, I'm going to start with a quick story. Um, one of my colleagues may be in this afternoon. This story is actually um, uh, about him. So many years ago, and he'd probably tell us it was about 20, I think the reality was it was probably maybe 30 or 40 years ago, 
um, he was an up-and-coming uh, frozen foods buyer. And that buying department at uh, this particular supermarket were trying everything to drive sales. They would draft in suppliers, they would go through all the analysis, do all the SKU level, store level, by week analysis. And it was all with a view to try and getting availability sorted uh, in, in frozen foods. Hundreds of spreadsheets, lots of analysis, hours spent on it, nothing was improving. So my colleague himself decided, you know what? Maybe I need to get out to stores. So he did, out of his desk, off to stores. And he spent some time working in stores, spent a few days observing what colleagues were doing. He spent a few days helping colleagues in store, putting stuff into the shelf. A couple of weeks later, he pulled and gathered the guy buying team back together. What he then did was place 50 pairs of gloves down on the table and said, there's our issue. It doesn't matter how much analysis we do. It doesn't matter how much, uh, how many recommendations we come up with. It's about this. And everyone kind of went, gloves? What do you mean? It's about gloves. What he then went on to explain was that the insight he got from working in the stores, well, frozen food was cold. And so because frozen food was cold, everyone in store avoided filling or replenishing that particular part of the store. By providing gloves to the stores right across the estate, they were able to increase availability. So they made it just a little bit easier for people to go, do you know what? We're going to pick up those cold cardboard boxes, open it, put it on the shelf, just make life a little bit easier. The point of that is really about closing the gap between what we see behind our screens and within our spreadsheets and bits of paper to what actually happens in true reality. So finding your gloves is the kind of or the equivalent of is my real challenge to you for, for this afternoon. Find those gloves, close that gap between the analysis that you do and the opportunities that you're recommending. Making sense, Nathan? Absolutely. And it's the real life stuff. And what you see on your computer screen and from where you're sitting is completely different to the reality inside a store. Now, you're in, in geographically, you may be 20, 30, 150 miles away from that location. So you have no idea actually what's going on in the head of the individuals that are supporting you make those opportunities land. You have to That's be there. It. Yeah. I, um, I'm going to share another little modern one up. Um, we, we looked at the staircase the other day. This is another staircase. I seem to like staircases and uh, three-letter uh, acronyms this week. This is um, effectively the, the staircase of learning. Some of you may well be familiar with it, but actually I think it worked really well for, for this particular topic as well. Let me draw this up. Start these two areas here. Not a big fan of this word, but it makes sense. Unconscious incompetence. It's the things that we don't know. And this is typically or can typically be the area that some category managers tend to reside in. They don't know what they don't know. Sometimes getting out of store can, uh, can help that. I often think about this as uh, my eight-year-old. She doesn't know she can't drive. She sees daddy get in the car, do some stuff like this, do some stuff like this, move his hands in the car, get from A to B. She has no idea she couldn't jump in that seat and do it. Over time, we move then into conscious incompetence. So you start to become aware of the things that you both can't do. Sometimes it's getting out to store and going, you know what, I hadn't appreciated that. Love's example, it's a great place to start. So for me, this was my son uh, probably a few years ago when he started asking these questions. He was getting slightly closer to taking that first uh, driving lesson and he started asking, what your feet up to down there, Dad? What's that bum for? What's that lever do? How are you getting the car to do that thing? And he moved from I don't know, I can't do it through to, my God, I know, I can't actually do that. I'm going to need some lessons. Absolutely. He then starts taking some lessons. 
then he moves into conscious competence. He is now aware he can do it. Over time, and if to ask anyone in the room who's done a, a drive recently and to ask you how many gear changes you make, providing you've got a manual car, you're not going to know because you're doing that stuff unconsciously. So you then move into unconscious competence. And it's about taking our capacity managers or ourselves on this journey through, don't know what I don't know, so now I know what I don't know, through to now I can do it, and then finally making this stuff just automatic. So we're not just sitting behind spreadsheets, we're spending some time in store, and we're now unconsciously competent on that new level of knowledge that we've got. Um, there's a little bit of recycling that typically happens up here. Um, I guess sticking with our driving analogy, it's maybe moving from a manual car to an automatic or vice versa. We have a little bit of relearning to do. That's cool. That's all sort of part of continuous improvement. The important thing is to move that way up our staircase. Went a pace there. Nathan, making sense? Thoughts on that? Absolutely. You know, it's something that I teach, we teach at Sticky Learn, because when you go through the four stages of learning, depending on what you know, title this was given uh, when, you, when you've learned it, is it's easy for us to go consciously competent, unconsciously competent, and then we just sit, sit there doing this kind of certain things which almost have a level of security and certainty to them. And actually, it's getting away from your desk and going doing the things that aren't common and going back and acknowledging, well, actually, I am consciously incompetent. I now know what I don't know and enjoying that process of, of, of discomfort that comes with that, you know, in like, you know, admitting that you don't know it, that feels uncomfortable, you feel stupid, you feel confused. But actually confusion is a, is a chemical reaction happening in your brain, which happens when you're consciously incompetent. So in order to go up that competency ladder to improve your learning, you have to go through that experience. And that means going into a store, speaking to a new store manager, speaking to the people that are handling your goods, speaking to the customers. And if that's not normal for you, get used to it because that's the stuff that's going to move this for you. Absolutely. And that leads perfectly onto my suggestion. I think it's exactly doing that. Speak to your buyer, speak to your uh, local supermarket uh, store manager. You sometimes need to get permission to do that. You can't just rock up in store and start speaking to colleagues or customers. Get that permission appropriately and then Coming back to where we were the other day, I'm talking about hippos or hypotheses. Before you go in, consider yourself some. Start those with, I believe. I believe that I can drive more sales by better understanding the store ordering system. Or I believe I can learn three pieces of new product development by replenishing my category for half a day. I believe I can learn some stuff about my category by replenishing another category in the store. And, and the list goes on considering around how does the store manage waste, how do they manage arrivals, how do they take those arrivals to restocking, you know, what can you do to help visibility of new products or stores uh, locate certain products. There's a whole host, massive list. Consider the ones that are right and relevant for you. Start with, I believe that, and then go in stores and start proving or disproving them. I think it's super powerful and will just help ensure that the opportunities that you make are great on paper, Land in store and are there for uh, the foreseeable people driving sales and profit. Excellent, excellent. So, where does this take us to next then? Once we start getting into the superstores and we're looking at some of these things, rightly so, I'm uh, very much kind of a shoot first, ask questions later kind of guy. So, I'm, I'm glad you highlighted there to go and get permissions to go and have these conversations because I would have already been doing them. Um, so, where, do you, where does an individual go from there? to move these hypotheses and take themselves into the next steps? I think that's it. These learning opportunities largely about preparation. We've made the recommendation for people brought into it. 
that's just some of this stuff, and I said this funnel isn't about start, stop, start, stop, all the way down. There's this kind of Venn diagram type overlap. Some of this stuff needs to happen first. You don't want to make a recommendation that ultimately is just going to fall over the day after it launches. So part of this stuff maybe happen further up the funnel as you're developing products and developing recommendations. Moreover, it has with everything around category management for states, a business as usual thing, not something you dip into once every few months. Should be out there visiting stores on a daily and weekly, not necessarily daily, but maybe a weekly basis. And actually, the reality is we're doing that when we're doing our normal weekly shops, albeit slightly caveated with uh, our, our current new situation. Keeping yourself living and breathing, keeping yourself close to your categories, challenging yourself with understanding other categories, just a great source of uh, one opportunity identification, but two, ensuring that uh, what you're uh, what you're suggesting is landing. Another thought, Nathan. Um, you mentioned about um, going out into superstores and, and visiting those stores there. So, um, I'm going to go up on a slight tangent. This was nicely prompted by the question from uh, Fiona the other day. I'm not sure if she's here today. If she is, then uh, thank you for this. We, we had a conversation about this earlier today. Um, her challenge to me was okay, how do we manage various different channels that exist? Because actually, it tends to be our effort is put into your point, Nathan. Our big superstores, our hyperstores, and what have you. Yeah, each retailer has various different channels, right from its kind of small local convenience channels to its online channel to its superstores, hyperstores, megastores, however they choose to clarify it. The challenge, again, could be a way, or another way of looking at it, could be I'm going to introduce, so I think the majority of people are familiar with KPIs, key performance indicators, our targets. Typically, I see this and this going in hand in hand, I agree, target is our KPI, it's what we're aiming to achieve. So if we have a KPI for our category, we could then have various KRAs. Typically one here, multiple here. The KRA, a key result area, let me explain this in the same way I did with uh, the conversation with Fiona earlier, was around key result areas. Um, I'm going to pick a sport, I'm going to pick uh, football, but it could be any sport. Um, each football team will have a KPI. Let's imagine it's winning the league. They will have various KRAs that sit below that. So for the goalkeeper, it could be clean sheets, which is uh, not letting any goals in the net. For defenders, it could be balls cleared out of the, the box, right? The danger zone near their own goal. For midfielders, it could be uh, passes completed up to the strikers at the front. And for our strikers at the front, it could be goals scored. Those are the KRAs, so the key result areas that we're all linking to achieving our KPI. We could come at it a different way from a channel perspective, and actually, our different channels could be our individual KRAs. What do we want our superstores to achieve? What do we want our online presence to achieve? What do we want our small local convenience stores to achieve? Because while the opportunity size may be very, very different, big opportunities may sit in the superstores, small opportunities in the convenience they all play their part, in which case they all then need to be, maybe, one of a better word, held accountable for achieving the overall KPI. So when you're in stores, it's not just about visiting the hype stores, big stores, it could be about visiting some of the smaller more local convenience stores, which could then send us on a whole other journey to go visit our local um, produce regrocers, butchers, smaller stores, independents, just to get a feel for what those guys are doing to allow us to then take inspiration and see if we can apply that to, to, to a wider format. 
We'll pause there for a second. KPIs, KRAs. Nathan, as my uh, temperature check, is that making sense? Absolutely. And I think you know the key thing that we've seen in businesses is not having too many KPIs. There is maximum kind of three. And you will find that a lot of your KRIs, K, KRAs, and other KPIs will actually fall into those kind of three columns anyway. But if you don't, if you know, if you're not focusing up here, these are the the increment, the, the the buttons and levers that you can pull and push that cause that KPI to be here. Um, so just making sure you've got the right numbers in the right places so you can take the right action and not just confuse yourself. I agree. It comes back to kind of day one we were talking about that stuff there. Ideally, it's one target up here. Achieve that, move on to another. If you've got multiple targets up here, and for any any business, multiple targets become confusing because the effort you put in becomes diluted. You have one crystal clear, smart target, and then know the component parts that make up to achieving that. Uh, you can put time and effort and resources into the right places. And if we're thinking our biggest opportunities could be in our convenience stores, at least we then know that and we're not wasting our time over, over here. Mm, agreed. I think about where I am locally, I can walk down the road less than 10 minutes and I've got a in an independent greengrocers, I've got Tesco's Express, I've got Co-op, I've got Audi, I've got one of the small satellite branches of Audi just up the road. And it's just about getting that viewpoint where I can get a cross-section of outlets within the space of 60 minutes, I can see exactly what all those categories are doing for me. Yeah, and it feels like I'm deducting time away from my desk, it's away from my inbox, but yet trying it, you'd be surprised at exactly how much insight you draw from it. Um, there's a brilliant story. Um, that I don't know the, uh, the original roots or the source of it. What I do know was that uh, McDonald's considered once um, selling pizzas through their, their restaurants. And one of the suppliers was lucky enough to be the pizza supplier, but one of the recommendations, sorry, one of the requirements from McDonald's was that the MD of the company had to go and work in one of the restaurants. So Julie obliged, very chuckled, he got the contract to supply them uh, uh, pizzas. It was a trial for McDonald's as to whether that could be a route that they may uh, branch into. And the MD's in store and he's brilliant pizza, pizza, pizza. He's like, can I go and do a spell at the drive through Yeah, no problems. And there he was, oh, Pizza come through, loving life today, gets his pizza box and realised they couldn't get it through the drive-through window. Couldn't get it through. And it was one of those moments that he would never have got there, that this box was just a tip it, I'm going to get it through my window, get it through your car window. One of those moments going, why didn't you know this before? That then allowed them to uh, maybe change some up, consider some boxes, but the point that, that one insight would never have come, or maybe have come far too late down the... Uh, down the route of launch of that particular area. Not sure, maybe that's the reason why they don't sell uh, pizzas now. Let's stick to our uh, Big Mac's not cheese baby, right? <laughs> That's good. Oh, that's, what's the time now? Okay, we're hitting 13, 18 minutes past one. Good, so we looked at KPIs, we looked at KRAs, we've looked at where we are and getting to that point of landing those opportunities and getting ready to cycle that up. The one thing I wanted to touch on in just a few minutes, I've got it in front of me, is that stretch sheet, And because I feel like we're getting to that point where we've looked at what the target is, we've gone through this process, and we're starting to get to that point where we can actually kind of push the boundaries of what we're doing, so I think it's appropriate to talk about that. Right, let's, let's get it up. So yeah, so this was some content that um, we've got some time to share. It was something that we were looking to do yesterday, so I'm glad Nathan brought this back to life. So this is a template we can share with you, if you'd like a copy, like and subscribe in the box, so to speak. Drop your name, email, and we'll email it over to you. And um, it's about, again, preparation, and we all know the importance of this. It's a reasonably simple template to fill out situation, 
It's all about what you're looking to, about who's going to be there at your meetings. It's about setting yourself up for uh, success initially. We can fill out those boxes and we've got clarity on what we're looking to achieve. We can then move into the time that we've got. So our time could be how long we've got to present, uh, how long we need to prepare for, I'm going to do some time around Q&A here. Um, I think I mentioned it the other day, but working on that rule of thumb of three to four minutes per slide and we've got maybe half an hour to present, we're only talking about pulling together maximum 10 kilos slides, not the usual 50, 50, 60 that we've historically gone in with. The next area is about the result. This is about the result you want to get more in the long term. We know that you don't go in, have one meeting, and get everything you want, and just leave. This is about achieving, and I'm saying, your end in mind. You will have a number of meetings all looking to achieve the same thing and having an absolute end in mind. And as Stephen Covey says, uh, those are fans of certain habits of highly effective people, everything's created twice. Once in the mental, second in the physical. You understand what your end in mind is, everything you do then works towards achieving it. Second part, or the next part, E, expectations. Expectations for that individual meeting. What's going to be desirable? What's going to be ideal? What do you want to get out at the end of that meeting? If you're going in there with your expectations that the buyer's going to go, yep, let's sign that off now. I love the price. I don't need any further information. Yep, that's highly profitable for you. Not so much for me. Let's do it. You know, realistically, that's not going to happen. There's going to be some further negotiation. There's going to be some further explanation. You can at least set out what you think your own knowledgeable expectations are. Making sense? Not from Nathan, brilliant. Okay, next thing is three key things. What are your three bumper stickers? What are the three things that you want to have the buyer remember? And it could be that the buyer goes again, you know what? Those guys have got a handle on promotions. So that's going to generate me another 100 million people. Those guys have got three awesome products that we're going to launch in the next three months. That's rock and roll. It's again, having clarity on what the big important things are that the buyer is going to take away, as opposed to that. About it again the other day, having that list of 40 or 50 recommendations, all of which are never going to happen. It's going with three killer things that are all must have. The next part is the character. Who are you? And always be yourself, but who and how are you going to present yourself? And um, good clarity on what that looks like beforehand. Um, what I mean by that, and it's coming back to sort of the Herman stuff we um, we talked about yesterday. Um, how are you going to tailor how you communicate, how you present? Uh, how you interact by being more mindful of the audience. For example, my default probably would be to stand here and talk quite monotone and a bit dull. I don't really fancy making eye contact with any of it, so don't really like it. We know we're running a webinar, it's online, we've got to be a bit animated, bring it to life, make you guys feel as enthusiastic as we are. So, in which case, bringing that enthusiasm hopefully um, leaks through to you guys and you guys get as passionate as we are about capital management. So, it's about your character. Last one then, last one is about how. So this is really about how you're going to present. So our default course is PowerPoint. We go in, open up our laptops, I'll get our hard packs out. Actually, can we do some stuff differently? Can we have various different levels of, um, uh, various different formats? Can we do some stuff on boards? Or can we go in with just a single one pager? Or can we go in with nothing? and just actually talk and ask questions and interact and then summarize at the end. These challenges about how you present differently to differentiate yourself from all your competitors that are still going in with their PowerPoints. Sometimes just going in with a couple of, uh, let's say, A2 phone boards can really bring stuff to life and just help the buyer go, oh, goodness, 
haven't got to sit through another PowerPoint presentation, or maybe for right now, I haven't got to sit through another Zoom meeting of three hours of slides. Um, it's about considering all that stuff differently. This template allows you to stretch your thinking. It allows you to do that preparation and all with a view to setting yourself up for success. Okay, as usual, going at a fair pace. Nathan, there's my again, my temperature check. It's good. And it leads me in two ways, because you know, yesterday I was watching a webinar about how to land a TED talk. So it's something that I'm really inspired to do is actually get myself on a TED stage and, and talk about some of the things I'm passionate about. And the, the man that was leading it turned around and said, you know, the idea is one thing, but if you haven't got the energy behind it to actually push that idea through, no organizer of a TED event is going to bat an idea. They're just going to tick, you know, cross you off and they're not going to move it forward. It doesn't matter how good the idea is. And he was saying that the head of the world, the CEO of the World Food um, Fund or Food Bank or whatever, a food, World Food Bank, had applied 49 times before he actually got accepted to do a TED talk. And this guy's charismatic and talking to huge audiences about great ideas, but there isn't, there, you know, it just wasn't the right idea for those people. So it, it takes time to do these and you've got to come with that energy to land it. The second direction it takes me though, is then looking at the magic pill from negotiation. Um, so I'm, I'm, I'm aware I'm sharing the screen at the moment, but again, it's just talking about who you'll bring into that conversation, how you're positioning yourself and to stop doing that. The, the amount of importance, you know, what energy, what characters, what demeanor do you want to bring to that conversation to support the dialogue that you're creating? Absolutely. I think I refer to this as um, my monkey in the cage, and bear with me on this one a little bit. Um, story, uh, Victor Cayenne, when he first started in his early career, was selling toothpaste, um, and he went into, or he was invited in to go and sell his toothpaste, along with a number of other suppliers, and um, he went, Okay. I've got good toothpaste, they've got good toothpaste. I've got good prices, they've got good prices. And he realised he had nothing really differentiated himself from his competitors. And that is the reality for all of us. As suppliers or suppliers we work with, they're all absolutely brilliant with absolutely brilliant people. I'm sure their prices are all awesomely competitive. But what is that point of difference? So Victor decided to differentiate himself. And the story goes that he went in with a cage with a monkey in it, and halfway through the meeting, the cage is open, the monkey's out, paper's flying absolutely everywhere, it's all a bit chaotic, um, this is the presentation, monkey back in the cage, off he goes. A couple of weeks later, he gets the phone call. Congratulations, we'd like to award you the contract supplies too. Fantastic, that's great news, thank you very much, I really appreciate it. Um, well, I've got you, uh, I'd just ask for a bit of feedback. What made you award me the contract? Simple answer was, you are more memorable than your competitors. Exactly that. May well be a little bit of poetic license in that story, um, and why I wouldn't suggest any kind of page animal is taken into any kind of meeting with any supermarket. It is about considering what your metaphoric monkey in the cage is um, in order to differentiate yourself from your competitors to stand out, and importantly, still maintaining your, uh, your credibility. Absolutely. And whether you love him or hate him, Bill Gates did a very similar thing in his TED talk when he opened the jar on the mosquitoes when he was talking about um, malaria. It made people think and it got people responding. Whether there was mosquitoes in that jar or not, who knows? doesn't matter. You're hitting certain psychological hot cognitions, which then trigger certain different responses and reactions. It's understanding what those, those hot cognitions are that put you in front of those people again and again and again. Conscious of time, crikey, it is 1.27.
I hope this is useful. Everyone, everyone who's here who's attended, thank you very much for being here. So very appreciated. What has been useful from this week's Sticky Learning Lunches for you? We'd love to know right now. So this is an open question to the whole audience. What has been useful for you today and from this week? And also, what questions have you got for Andy? So fire those into the questions box. What's been useful? What's been valuable? What questions have you got right now? Let us know. And while we're talking about that, just to let you know, while we were talking, I went and found the article for the negotiation magic pill. So that's got some information there and just ideas that will help you to enter into negotiation conversations in a very different mindset to get you even better results. So that's already there. Now, while those questions are coming through, bear with me because I am just going to pick up some extra bits here and get those into the chat box. As I said earlier, I did say, make sure if you haven't signed up for Monday's session even, um, now is the time to go and have a look and get yourself registered for Monday and also for the leadership development sessions as well. Also, I've just dropped the link in there for the Catman category management coaching cards. So all the stuff that we've covered through this week and we're gonna be rounding up on Monday, are all included there in the coaching cards as well. Huge, phenomenal value. We've got a multitude of decks now for asking the right questions in the right scenarios. These are the category management ones. They're five pound for the pack. Takes you through each stage of this funnel and helps you to ask the right questions of yourself. So if you haven't got your pack, now is the time to go and do this. Um, always good to remember, get into store and to understand the retailer and their objectives before creating pages of PowerPoint analysis. Absolutely agreed, Michaela. And as much as Andy loves his data and his analysis, you know, it's, it's getting the fair and the right and the reasonable combination of those things. Um, from this week, the power of and also awareness of challenge reality in my head. Tell me more, Colin. You know, have you picked up some more awareness of the challenges and realities that you have in your own head when it comes to regards to, to category management? Um, and how is this helping? How is this training course we've just delivered in this space helping you to push beyond those? Really, really important. And I'm gonna go and get one more link, bear with me. Good multitasking there, Nathan. Terrible at it, never gonna work. So I'm just standing here, enjoying the heat of the room as the uh, windows are all shut and we're just sweltering now. Well, it's scientifically proven that multitasking doesn't exist meant that the difference between what's in my head and the reality in the store absolutely Colin the difference between what you think in your head and what is actually the reality out there are worlds apart um, and again even if you go into the store with your own set of eyes you're still seeing it from what's behind your own set of eyes and you've got your own biases of what you think is right and wrong in that store and it's super important that we're actually getting a, a cross-section and we're triangulating our thinking I think that's super important. Um, and for me, that's where we kind of develop those hypotheses that then need to be tested with a robust sample of, of people. We've seen it so many times when supplier goes in and says to the buyer, look, we've got this new product. It's absolutely terrific. You're going to love it. And the buyer goes, I like yellow. Yellow not my favorite color. I'm not interested. It's about saying, actually, in the most politest way, it's not about whether you like yellow or not. All of our customers, all of your customers, 90% that we are said yellow is absolutely fantastic. And trying to head that stuff off first, we don't make it about 
individual's personal preferences. We all have them, neither right nor wrong. We've got to make sure we're persuading our buyers, persuading the person who's making that buying decision by backing it up with all the relevant and appropriate information to what our shoppers are saying and telling us that they actually want help. Absolutely. And last but not least, before we close off today, if you would like Andy to speak to you, to speak to your team, to speak to your account managers about category management to increase the number of opportunities that you've got and getting them landed. I have just put the link in there for the virtual classrooms. That will help you to start an initial conversation with Andy Palmer and help you to expand what it is you're doing and the slice of the pie that you've got in all directions. A, getting a bigger slice, but also getting a larger slice. And I mean kind of the, the expansion, not just the, the, the slice out of that pie as well. So super important. If you know someone that needs that support, now is the time to click on that link and start that conversation. Andy, thanks very much for today. Really appreciate it. Absolutely pleasure. We'll see you on uh, Monday. On Monday. And everyone else who's watching now, thanks very much for today. Really appreciate your time. And we'll see you on Monday as well. Have a lovely rest of the week and enjoy your weekend.